Welcome back to the the show. We got 27 year old Nate Tompkins on the show. He's a huge Alabama fan. He's our Alabama beat writer. Um, he's also a big time softball coach slash recruiter. So uh, y'all welcome to the show. I'm gonna hand it back over to old Bronco Phillip. So hey hey Nate, um, I got a quick question for you regarding your um, Crimson Tide. Do you think a um, a more mature Tua would be beneficial for your offense? Well, first off, I want to say thanks for having me. Um, you know, I'm excited to hear you guys. And I think it's uh, it's exciting to see y'all get together for this. But um, as far as more mature, um, I think you know, I, don't, I don't think Tua is one that showed a lot of uh, getting rattled. I wouldn't throw him in the same category as some of the uh, – flashier quarterbacks that have been throughout the league lately um i think he keeps a pretty good composure but i i think more so maturity wise i'm more concerned about his physicality i just tua has not really shown yet in my opinion that he can maintain that health since about week 10 last season with uh, you know just kind of battling different injuries um, in, in key spots, and so we'll see how he kind of reacts going forward. He's going yeah, to that, take some big hits. Yeah, that old ankle of his was just reoccurring, reoccurring. Well, and I think the you know the ankle is not necessarily an injury that just goes away. I mean, it's. Yeah. Um, I mean, you looked at Steph Curry a couple of years ago, and I know it's a different sport. But Steph Curry was a guy that um, was almost completely plagued by his career in the first couple of years with an ankle injury they had to go in and do um hip alignment to kind of get his hips to match his ankles um it was a really neat story they put out on the athletic a couple of years ago and um, I, I just think if, if if they're able to kind of get that ankle stronger um i mean Tua has the tools to be you know top 10 quarterback in in college football i don't think that's uh, that egregious of a statement but no no not at all i think um you know I, He's he's also got some people behind him now too. I mean, you know, Jalen was proven. Um, he was not necessarily the better passer, and I, I think I'm excited to see what he does at Oklahoma this year too. You know, kind of still root for Jalen Hurts, but um, mm-hmm. I think uh, left on good terms. They, they, he did, he did, and they, they've definitely got some younger guys behind Tua that will, if needed to be called upon, I think can do the job at least enough to manage the game, and we'll we'll see how it goes. Sounds right, good, I got man. a question for you, Nate. Uh, after seven on-field coaching changes, do you think this will hurt the Tide, or do you think that they just picked up where they left off? And um, which coordinator do you think has the most success? Well, I, from a standpoint of just rebuilding and reloading, I think you talk about Alabama has done something that's unprecedented for the past five years. Um, it, it seems like every year they have somebody new, um, whether it's, you know, uh, changing offensive coordinators from Lane Kiffin to Mike Loxley now to Steve Sarkeesian. And before Lane had, had multiple OCs. And then, um, I mean, it, it's the same with defensive coordinators. Since Kirby's left, there's not been really somebody that's been a lock. You had, um, you know, Pruitt that's up in Tennessee doing a good job up there. And then you have, um, I mean, some Tosh LaPoy who's now in the NFL. And now you have a relatively unknown guy got from UTEP and, and Browning and, and I think um, as far as the coordinators are concerned is uh, I am not a huge fan of Sark um, I 
didn't really like him when he was with the Falcons. I didn't like him when um, he was with Alabama in that little short period that he was with. I know it's a game, and everybody's like, really? You're going to best Call it a rehab stint. Let's just call it a rehab <laughs> The rehab stint, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, but, I mean, on another side of that, too, you, you go back to his days at USC – you could, I could make the case anyway that I think Lane Kiffin was the, the main driving force there in Sark. Sark develops, um, you know, backs and receivers really well, so I'm excited to see that. I think that Alabama has a top five receiving core, and um, you know, I think that'll be kind of fun to watch. But um, I am, I'm legitimately concerned about watching um, Tua throw for four or five yard outlet passes. 10, 12 times a game and watch him get picked off trying to make a back throw, you know, back shoulder pass against a, a 4-2 corner. So, I mean. What made Tua so special last year was just those long posts with Waddle and Judy. That's what that's what made him special, those breaking off 45-yard passes in the middle of nowhere. That's what, I, I, I say this, Loxley opened up the offense and everybody goes, oh, man, Loxley just opened it up and it was really big. If if Lane Kiffin were the OC, and obviously you're you're talking about you'd have to kind of get over some ego stuff with him and Nick Saban, and you know there would have to be a little bit of more camaraderie. But if, if Kiffin is the OC at Alabama, um, I think they put up even more outlandish numbers consistently last year. Um, obviously, no one on that Alabama team showed up against Clemson. And yeah. Clemson, Clemson just proved it. But, I mean, I think outside of that game, you could make a case that their offense was, I mean, dominant. Definitely. I'd have to agree with you on that one. Yeah, yeah. I definitely agree with you on that one. I had a question for Nate uh, regarding <clears throat> Alabama, of course. It has nothing to do with the schedule. I know we've talked about that before. But this question, besides Najee Harris, what running back – what other running back makes an impact at, uh, this year in Alabama? Uh, I know they have plenty of them. I was just wondering some uh, a, a name, one name that's going to uh, stand out amongst them. Um, I think Brian Robinson um, will be a big, big pickup there. Um, I think he's going to be kind of utilized in multiple different ways. Um, you you did say Najee Harris, correct? Did I hear that? Yeah. Uh, let me make one more point with that. Uh, because the reason I'm asking this question is because Alabama always has, you know, one free premier back, and then there's another back that does a little bit of everything. Uh, Yeldon's been that back before, and he stepped into a lead role. Uh, uh, Ingram's been – I mean, uh, several guys have been in that role, and he stepped up to be a lead back, but that's primarily the reason I was asking that question. Yeah, I was talking about Harris. Uh, is he – he's going to be the start of the, the – Yeah, the lead yeah not, not he's going to get the, the bulk of that load, and then, I mean, you – you talk about there was a, a very talented freshman um, that came in, and uh, for some reason his name is slipping my mind right now. He got a really bad injury, um, and he's kind of on the indefinite list. But um, it's a it's a five star kid, one of the top prospects in the country. I mean, looks like he could have been a big third guy um, on there. Um, but I think with Sark, I think you're going to see a little bit of. The the premier running back is going to kind of. Are you talking about Trey Sanders? I am talking about Sanders. Thank you so much. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and I think that um, I, you're looking at at Sark's going to probably use those guys as like like they did in the NFL. Um, Atlanta lost Devontae Freeman last year. Sark 
worked with Tevin Coleman and Edo Smith. And then um, I think you're you're looking at, um, you know, something where he utilized them basically for two downs at a time, three downs. I Saban's going to make Sark run the ball, uh, but I don't think it's going to be your traditional Alabama running the ball. I mean, you, you look at how Jacobs and Harris came out of um, Alabama this year. They they seem to be the freshest running backs to come into the NFL in a long time. Um, and so, I just think <clears throat> I think the game has changed. All right, I've got a uh, we do a segment on here called Hit or Miss, and I've got a, a Hit or Miss for you. Um, okay, and that is Najee Harris will be a Heisman finalist. Uh, miss. I think that's. Uh, I, I would think it'd be great if he is, um, but I I don't think he'll get enough touches to be that. I think um, Alabama's going to utilize their wide receiving core. I mean, Judy is just Judy and Waddle are going to be probably more more likely to be in the Heisman contention race than Najee Harris. I can see Harris going for about nine hundred yards. Yeah, I mean, I, I think 900 is a good number. I think I think he'll he'll come close to that 1,000 mark. I think him and Robinson will both be in that 800 to 1,000 mark range. Um, I think – I don't think either one of those numbers are Heisman-esque, especially with um, Lawrence at Clemson. And um, you have – I think Jalen Hurts is going to put up some big numbers at Oklahoma. Um Jake Fromm will, will be on the fringe contention there. Um, I don't I don't really see Fromm will have to have, kind of play out of his mind for a couple of weeks to be able to do it. But I think um, with the way that they'll probably win a couple of games, I think he'll do it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think <clears throat> I think Najee Harris is probably fourth or fifth on that list of uh, potential Heisman candidates from Alabama. Uh, uh, we also do a segment on here called "Would You Rather." We got a "Would You Rather" question. Okay. Uh, would you rather take an ass chewing from Nick Saban after committing a holding penalty in the national championship, <laughs> or get pancaked by Quentin Williams? <laughs> oh. Um, Who says Nate would get pancaked? He might. Oh no, I have no chance against Quentin. <laughs> Quentin Williams. I don't know if y'all watched. Um, the preseason game, I guess it was week two. Um, demol- yeah, it was the Jets versus the Falcons. He just demolished the Falcons guard. Um, I, don't, I think it was a backup guard, but it doesn't really matter. I mean, the guy's NFL ready. Yeah. Um, I'm, I would – I think I'd still rather take the pancake, though, from him than, than get chewed out for missing something that crucial in a, in a game. Absolutely demeaned by Saban. Talking about your kids. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I don't really – I mean, I think there's I've, – I've seen people talk about after the fact when Saban is done talking with them, and it, it usually – I've only seen two people um, really get mad about what he's, like, just gone at them about. One of them was the guy that, like, punched a dude in the national championship game at Georgia um, a couple yeah, of years ago. I remember that was removed from the team and then the other one was Lane Kiffin and you know Lane Kiffin don't like to be told what to do yeah. I had a question for uh, just one more question for Nate for me but can you name 
the, in your opinion, the two most important players on each side of the ball for Alabama this season? In your opinion, who, who are the two? Um, are the, the two most important players that must produce on both sides of the ball? I think, I think for Alabama, um, Tua staying healthy is is very important. But I don't. I'm I'm going to kind of go on a different route here. Um, you said two players on both sides of the ball. Yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to cheat a little bit. I'm going to say for my first player on offense, uh, the offensive line as a unit is the most important thing that needs yeah, to kind of – Yeah, that's the point because I know they lose Jonah Williams and they lost uh, uh, the center who had been there for uh, Pierce. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pierce. Yeah, it's a long name. A long yeah. Name. yeah. Um, but I, I think – well, here's the thing. I, I know this. Um, they have tried five different guys every day at practice so far in the fall, which is kind of nerve-wracking. Um, but I, they've got some really big dudes on that offensive line. I think the, the, the unit itself has got to be the most important thing that needs to stick for Alabama. And then I think Jerry Judy. Um, I think Judy is going to be the most important player maybe on that entire team. Um, I could make a oh. case for, for oh. Waddle because Waddle's probably going to get some touches on that kick return and stuff like that. But Judy is going to be um, – I mean, he's already a Bolitnikoff winner. I think if if he has that same kind of opening space, if for some reason Tua goes down or let's say that they can't run the ball, Judy's an over-the-top threat they can throw it to and he can just make a play. It's just, you know, this is the old kind of like uh, Megatron play where, um, you know, Matt Stafford basically was like, I have nothing else to do or, but throw it up and let Calvin Johnson catch it. And it yeah. worked. And they set all kind of records. Um, <clears throat> defense. Uh, Patrick Sartain, um, corner. Okay. Um, I think he's he's going to be kind of that leader of the, the defensive secondary. And, um, you know, you, you don't really have that much turnover in this secondary. I think the secondary is finally the best group they've had in a while and they were bad last year personally I think I, I don't think they were um, I, the numbers will tell you otherwise but I mean you watched whenever somebody ran slants whenever somebody I mean Georgia nitpicked it for the whole game and then Clemson uh, demolished it yeah. once, once they got through um, so I think you know Sertain will be a, a big person he's got to be able to keep his composure and then um, I think it'll be either, and it depends on who who steps up here. Um, you're, <laughs> it's either going to be Shane Lee or Christian Harris, um, and they're they're two freshmen. I like Christian Harris. I, I like Christian yeah. Harris. They're they're both very very good. Um, Dylan Moses is going to be the guy that's kind of calling the shots on defense. So if he can relay into those guys, but those guys are going to be every year. It seems like Alabama has a newcomer that just puts his name out there. Um, Irv Smith was one last year. Um, yeah. Well, Quentin Williams was one. But I think every year there's got to be that one guy that just comes out, and I think that's probably um, going to be Miller. Um, or excuse me, Harris. Sorry, Miller graduated last year. But I think, um, you know, that would be my two from the defensive side would be um, would be Harris and, and Sertain, and then obviously on offense, the offensive line and Judy. Nice. Okay. Bruce, you got a question? 
Your mic isn't working, Bruce. Hey, sorry. Um, Nate, I got a couple questions for you, real quick. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna give you some hit or misses. Uh, first one, uh, hit or miss. Uh, Jacksonville State will win the Ohio Valley Conference. Ooh. Uh, oh, well, with the five. Um, for those who don't know, that was the school I attended. Um, so great stories from there too. I've had some stories from there. You know, I, I think it's a hit. Um, I think I think they they'll be in contention for it. Um, they got a, a Clemson transfer in Zarek Cooper, their yeah. quarterback, and he is uh, he, he's big arm, big arm, <laughs> definitely a big arm guy. They've had kind of a run and gun system of uh, late um, with Cooper back there. They are actually kind of. Going to the old West Coast, spread them out, blow them out, kind of people. It's really fun to watch. Um, their uh, their defense, though, is is currently um, got four guys that have been named preseason All American on it. Um, with their offense having uh, two linemen and a um, a quarterback, obviously that are, are named All uh, Conference. So I think I think yeah. I mean I think they're going to be. Um, contenders for that OVC now national championship contenders I, I don't think so but I think they're about a year away from that again and um, you know we were there four years ago against North Dakota State but yeah, yeah I mean conf- conference wise I think I think we'll be we'll be winning all right here's my last one and uh, for our listeners if you don't follow Nate go follow him on Twitter it's at Nate Tompkins that's Tompkins without an H uh, <laughs> I didn't know that for the first five years of our friendship um, but anyways, uh, I got this question from one of your tweets. Hit or miss, Popeyes has a better chicken sandwich than Chick Fil A. Miss Ooh. it. I, and here's the thing. I, I wish I could. I, I wish I could say that with like a little bit of factual evidence behind it, um, because people would, would, I'm sure, come at me for saying this. Twitter right now is going off about it. Uh, Popeyes basically called it shot was saying that they are the best thing to ever happen to a chicken sandwich. I think it's hilarious and it's great marketing. Um, I can't tell you how many people have probably just gone to pop. I've heard people talking about it at other restaurants. So it's That's great a marketing. Um, it is heresy. I, and here's, here's my main point. Um, I was at a uh, local high school actually working with some kids um, for, you know, recruiting stuff um, that I, that I do. Obviously we talked about that a little bit earlier, but um, I, I check in Twitter. I see this going on, and I'm like, dude, I'm going to go to a Popeye's right now for the end of this. I drive probably 20 minutes, out, out, literally out of the way, to a Popeye's in, you know, here in Chattanooga, which, Rated you Road. know, <clears throat> yeah, which reminder to people, Chattanooga is probably, what, the third biggest city in the state of Tennessee. So um, it's not like we're in a un- – they did not have it. It was not available. Um, it was not on the menu. <laughs> I went in there and I was like, "So, what's the deal?" And they're like, "Yeah, we don't, we don't have it yet." So I'm like, "All right, that's cool." There's another one in Eastridge, so I drove to it. I'm like, "Maybe this will happen." They didn't have it. Chick Fil A would never. Chick Fil A would never <laughs> get on, on Twitter and say, "Hey, I've got this available. Uh, y'all need to go check it out," and then not have it available at every uh, location. So here's the thing: I think part of what people miss about Chick Fil A. Their service is great. I mean, it's they're the best yeah. in the industry, I think, at, at what they do service-wise. Is the chicken sandwich probably, you know, better? Is it? I don't know. Um, that Popeye's chicken 
sandwich does look really good. I've heard people say it's really good. <laughs> um, but I mean, it's Chick Fil A. It's just like it's the OG. It's it's the original OG. I mean, I mean yep. people are. Uh, but it's definitely not the OG. I mean, there's probably an older sandwich that's pretty good, but Chick Fil A nah, is definitely no. the original. It's like a millennial sandwich. sandwich. I'll Chick- just say no, this. No, it's not millennial. millennial. I'll, I'll yeah, say this. I, I think it's a good point, but but I'll I'll, I'll say this. They say this is their claim that they didn't invent the chicken, just the chicken sandwich. Oh, so if that's, yep. if that's going to be your slogan, you gotta you gotta act like you're the OG here. And so you know you you're the old head of chicken sandwiches. You're you're walking around strutting your stuff. No pun intended. But <clears throat> I think if you're going to do that, you have people. You you put a target on your back. Listen, people. You know, the, the biggest complaint people have about Chick-fil-A is their religious beliefs or, you know, their beliefs towards um, a certain, you know, uh, type of, or, or group of people. Uh, they they abandon their belief systems to go eat that chicken. Just putting that out there. Um, so if you're willing to abandon your core belief systems to go eat some chicken, uh, I'm going to say that chicken's probably pretty good. <laughs> I, w- I would agree. Well... Thank you, Nate, for joining us on All About the South, and hopefully we can get you on another time. All right, man. Sounds great. Thank you all so much.